You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of your Valentine's Views podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you're listening across the Big Blue View Radio Network, Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm joined by Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. Jim, thank you very, very much for, for a few minutes today. Yeah, good to uh, good to be back on with you. Yeah, we talked, I think, right after the Senior Bowl. I think you and I talked a little bit. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, as we as we're so close now, it'll be interesting to see how sort of perspectives and and thinking have have changed across the league. So, uh, yeah. So one of the one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, you get a chance to talk to teams and executives and decision makers across the league. You know, we hear we hear buzz about certain things, and and you know, without. Without going into too much detail, I kind of wanted to ask you about some of the some of the stuff that we've been reading. Um, you know, ESPN posted a uh, posted a, a one of their newest buzz pieces recently, and a couple things jumped out at me. One was Giants sit at twenty five, and they basically said anything goes. And I kind of agree with that. I think they could do almost anything at that spot other than draft a quarterback. They could trade up, they could trade down, and there's four or five different positions they could pick from. Um, you agree with that? You you like that spot for the Giants? You think it's an odd spot for the Giants? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of experience kind of sitting in those 20s. The teams I, I worked for, I was really fortunate to work with some good teams. So in, in New England and Seattle, we were always drafting, it seemed like 25 and later, um, you can get good football players there. You know, I think it's ideal, ideal world is where best player available and, and your uh, team need kind of marry up. Uh, doesn't always work out that way. I think you, you got to be careful kind of reaching for a need there because you're, you're probably not going to get a, you know, an immediate impact player in the twenties. Um, those guys are usually gone pretty quickly. So, uh, to me, you just take, take the best player, uh, regardless of need and, and just plug in a good football player. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would think, I think most anything would be on the table outside of a QB, um, and there's going to be good players there. There's going to be, there's going to be year one starters, guys who can come in and make an impact. Um, but just maybe not any difference makers. So, um, uh, I think that's the route they'll go. I think, uh, you know, Joe Shane and, and his group, they've got a good group up there on the scouting side and, uh, they'll be all over this thing. The, the positions that we hear most for the giants, I think at, uh, at, at 25 would be wide receiver would be cornerback. Uh, I saw Albert Breer the other day bring up the idea of of pass rusher, and I know that mock drafts talk a lot about about center. You know, although we say anything goes, would you think that that's a pretty good um, a pretty good group of where that pick might come from? 
Yeah, you know, I would go somewhere other than wide out um, if I were the Giants. I just don't think there's value there at that position. I think the value is going to be later on on day two and really early into day three. I don't think this is a, a great wide receiver class up top, up top. I think in a lot of these mocks, um, you're seeing some guys being pushed into the late first round. I just don't I don't think the value's there. I think they're better off. I mean, they could address the center position. You know, I've, I kind of think John Michael Schmitz would be a great pick uh, for them, the center out of Minnesota. He's a guy that you know, you plug in, you got a two contract starter. Um, I think he's going to be one of the one of the better centers in the league. So I think, you know, if you're drafting in the 20s, that's a really good pick. Um, there's going to be some corners in play there um, that are good players. Um, you know, you, you got to look at the positions where there's where there's some some some, you know, lack of depth later on in the draft and and I always address pass rush. Um, you know, those guys tend to go off the board pretty quickly as well. So but you're staring at a a Will McDonald from Iowa State or something like that. I mean, I don't think he'll make it to the 20s, but um, if you're if you think you've got a guy to add your add to your pass rush um, somewhere in the 20s, that's that's a good spot to get him. Let's talk about pass rush for a minute. The Giants used the fifth overall pick, you know, last year on Kayvon Thibodeau. They used, I think, the 50th pick two years ago on Aziz Ojolari. Can you use the twenty fifth pick on a on on an edge guy, or or would it have to be a defensive lineman? You know, a, a, a Brian a Brian Bressy type defensive lineman who can impact the pass rush. I mean, is there such a thing as pouring too many resources into a position like the edge? Not that you not not when you're talking about guys that can affect the quarterback. And I think Giants fans should know that better than any any fan base. I mean, I just I was on the flip flip side. I was working in New England when you guys had OC and stray and all those guys getting after tom brady in that super bowl we couldn't block y'all so um i don't think you can i think if you can find guys that can put heat on the quarterback regardless if it's on the edge or on the interior i mean ideally an interior is i mean that's where it's at i mean trying to find guys that can get quick pressure up the middle i mean you've got dexter lawrence creating havoc and guys can kind of feed off him and play off him but yeah if you if you it does, to me it doesn't matter i mean if you got guys that can roll in and out of there and, and keep consistent heat on the quarterback you got to go get them um so, uh, no, I, I think the answer yeah. is no. I think you can load up there. <laughs> yeah, pass rushers, you might like at that spot. You, you uh, said McDonald's like, not going to be there most likely. I don't think he will. He's different than, you know, he's a little different than the two guys you have, Aziz and, and uh, Thibodeau. You know, I think he's a little more athletic than those two guys, a little more bendy than those two guys. But I think he'll be gone. I'm just talking to teams in the league. He's, he's really heated up um, through the process, had a really good process. He's added weight. I think that's that's contributed to maybe some teams buying in a little more. I mean, he's put on at least 10 good pounds since the process started. And you're talking about a guy that had over 30 sacks at the college level, and they were really using him as like a, a four-eye technique at Iowa State for the most part. You know, he's kind of tied close to a tackle and never really let him line up wide and let him rip, and that's kind of his game. He's uh, Like I said, he's, he can really turn the corner as well as anyone in, in this draft, probably the last couple drafts. So um, don't think he'll get there. Um you know, off the top of my head, I mean, a guy like Derek Hall from from Auburn, I think they could be staring at late in the first. I think Derek's going to go somewhere in the, probably that top 40 picks. Um, he's a different rusher than Will. He's a little more power. Um, he's got speed to power. He's got power. Um, you know, and he's a guy, once he clears the corner, he, he can really chase it down. He's got really good closing ability to the quarterback. So, you know, he's a guy there. Um, but there's a number of them. I think that sweet spot for, for the pass rushers are going to be like in that 25 to, to 50 to 75 range. I think you're going to see a bunch of guys go off, kind of like they did last year. Um, you saw a lot of guys go off in, in that early to mid-second round range. 
All right, let's talk about uh, a guy that we talked about quite a bit, you know, after the Senior Bowl, and you mentioned him already, John Michael Schmitz, the uh, you know the center from Minnesota, and and a lot of mock drafts think the Giants will go Schmitz, you know, depending on how the cornerbacks you know go in the draft. Do you think does Schmitz get out of the first round? Um, he shouldn't. You know, a couple of years ago, I was. Uh, doing this the, two years ago, I, I was sitting and doing a lot of these things, and I was saying the same thing about Creed Humphrey. Um, you know, I went on ESPN and right the week before, the couple days before the draft, and saying there's no way Creed Humphrey should get out of the first round, and he did. He went like 60 overall to Kansas City, and now he's a, an All Pro. So um, I don't think John Michael Schmidt should. Um, he might. You know, teams seem to whatever that that center position team seem to wait on a little bit. And there's other good options. I mean, I haven't watched too much of the Ohio State kid. I've heard he's a pretty good player. Um, but when you talk about clean prospects in the twenties, you're looking at guys that, that are, you know, sometimes the word safe carries a a negative connotation. I think John Michael's one of the safer guys in this draft and it it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a negative. It should be a positive. Um, you know, this is kind of a hole poking season. Like you're you're sitting in draft meetings, you're trying to poke holes in some of these prospects. And, and it's hard to do that with John Michael Schmidt. He's played a ton of football. He's been durable. He's smart off the charts. Uh, he showed up in Mobile better than I thought. He was better, better player than I thought, better than I gave him credit for, like watching him up close. Uh, he's got more core strength. Um, his ability to anchor is better than I, I thought it was maybe watching his tape. Um, he held his own against some really good defensive linemen down here in the Senior Bowl. And so, so he's tested. He's proven. He loves football. He competes. Um, he's checking all those boxes, you know, again, I'm going to, I'm going to get on the senior bowl soapbox a little bit here, but you know, <laughs> these guys that come down here and play in the game, you know, play practice during the week and play in the game. I mean, there's no reservations about their, their competitive nature and how they love football. I think with some of these juniors there, there is, um, you know, because you, you just don't, you just don't, you know, and the guys that don't commit to come play in a senior bowl, like the guys that take every advantage, come out and show themselves and they don't feel like they have anything to hide to these NFL teams. The more decision makers I'm talking to, the more they're they're buying into that too now. Um, you know, just it, it, this is getting harder and harder as we go through NIL and portal and movement at the college level, and you know where there's loyalty and, and where there's true passion for football. Um, it's starting to get harder and harder to really identify. And and to me, John Michael's got all that stuff, and he's he's proven it over a long period of time. Like I said, he's been durable. Um, and the more teams you talk to, you talk about like how he's interviewed. I mean, to me, he's kind of a, a slam dunk pick if you're sitting there in the 20s, man. I mean, you, you're not going to miss. You're going to get a really good football player. Yeah, it's interesting. I talked to a former NFL scout the other day, and he said that almost every miss that he's been involved in in the draft over the years came back to really you know, how much a player loves football and how hard he's actually willing to work at it. I'm curious if, you know, if, if that's your experience as well. Because that's actually, to me, teams seem to work at that really, really hard. But it's still, it's still not an exact science to get that right. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think the most the mistakes of the teams that my mistakes and the mistakes of the teams I worked for, um, you, I look back on it, and a lot of it is is putting too much emphasis on what happens in shorts and t-shirts at the combine and pro days and all that stuff and not going back to what they do in, in pads and helmets. And again, I sound biased sitting in this chair at the senior bowl, but I believe it. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it. Um, I just think there's, you know, you get lost a little bit too much in, in some of the testing stuff. Um, you know, and then with the, with the love of football, I mean, yeah, you're going to ask these guys the questions and they're going to have their, 
they're canned answers, but I think there's indicators along the way of how much guys love football. Um, I think you can't, you can't stray too far from what the people at the schools tell you. Um, you know, when, when they've been there four and five years and sometimes now six years and you base off what the, what the sources at the school tell you and just the patterns of behavior there and how much they worked and how committed they were and how much time they spent around the building. Um, I think you always go back to that. And then things like, you know, coming to the senior bowl and, and, and competing down here and things like that. That's where it really shows. I mean, every kid's going to tell you, obviously he loves football and why he plays, but you can get snowballed that way. Like these 30, this 30 visit time right now is really dangerous. Um, you know, I've been a part of, been a part of teams where we brought in guys on 30 visits and, and been completely snowballed by players and what they say on these, these late, late in the process interviews, man. So you, you, you just got to go back to what have they put out there? Like, what does their resume say? Like, forget what they're telling you. I mean, all these guys are prepped to answer these questions a certain way. Um, but what have their actions told you about how much they love football and how much they're willing to work at it? What, you know, from the outside, do teams each, do each, does each team look at the 30 visits differently? I'm trying to figure out, like for the Giants, for example, we, we hear the names of the guys that they're bringing in. Should it tell us anything? Should we really be tuned into the guys that are being brought in or, or is it, you know, just another part of the process? I think most teams use it the same. I mean, maybe they all they all use it for the same reasons. One, they're bringing in like guys they know they're going to spend a lot of money on early that they just want to spend a little more time around. You know, you're, you're going to your ownership group and, and you're, you know, you're spending, you know, eight figures on some of these guys, you know, signing bonus money. So you, you got to be right. So that, that's part of it. Two are the, are the non-combine invites, right? And they need medicals on those guys. So right now it's funny. You see a lot of stuff on social media that like this guy's a hot guy because he's taking all these visits like no he's not really a hot guy they need a medical on him he didn't get a combine invite like it doesn't necessarily mean like there's a lot of love for the player there might be some love late in the draft or in in priority free agency so you don't get in a situation where you where you draft a player that that you know you don't have a medical thing on i mean really when you're in seattle we drafted a guy um we drafted a player late in day three and we got him up for the the rookie minicamp and he got flagged with a heart condition. He could never play football again. And, you know, like we didn't bring him in on a 30 visit um, because, you know, what, what happens is, you no, know, like Joe Shane might do this. I don't know if he does or not, but like Joe's got a network of GMs that he came up through the business with that he's good friends with. So they'll divvy it up. Like the Giants will take three non-combine guys. Another, another GM will bring in three non-combine guys. Another GM will bring in four. And then they kind of pool their resources and they share the medical information. So in that particular case, I'm talking about, one of the other teams that we were kind of in that network with brought this player in and they didn't catch the heart thing. Um, so, you know, that, so that's, they're doing some of that stuff. Um, you know, so there, there's, there's a lot of different reasons on why guys are being brought in. I wouldn't look too much into it. Uh, and I know it, it's, it's kind of fun to do this time of year, trying to connect the dots, but um, I mean, I, at the end of the day, like, you know, there's maybe, you know, two or three or four guys that maybe out of, out of the 30 that the team will end up with. So, yeah, but it is, it is kind of a fun exercise. I get why people do it. Sure. It's everybody, you know, everybody wants to, wants all the answers to the test before the test even starts. So, That's right. so I'm curious, you know, we, we were talking about center a while back and I'm just curious one last, well, one more question about that position. 
do you I don't know how much you've studied Joe Tipman, but there are people who think Tipman goes before Schmitz and all of that. And I'm curious if you if you understand that. I have not watched him. Nope. I haven't I haven't spent any we we've we've circled the wagons and watched a bunch of the underclassmen and skill players. Um, have not watched many of these underclassmen offensive linemen. Okay. I know uh I need to ask you about uh, one of the other guys that I, I know that you know a little bit about, and that's the Timmy kid from uh, from Michigan. I saw you on social media recently saying you didn't understand how he wasn't getting some love, you know, earlier in the draft. Um, what can you tell me about that kid, and, and what kind of player you think he's going to be? Yeah, another guy. I was uh, we were probably too low on. Uh, we had like an early day three grade on him, and now talking to teams like. In the immediate aftermath of, of the Senior Bowl, like he's not, he's he's going somewhere on day two. From what it sounds like, there's there's way too many teams telling me they would take him in the on day two because he, he's a, a guy, again a, a safe guy that they know can they can plug right in and, and start and start at a high level. Um, where I say he showed up down here better than I would have thought. He was he was like whereas John Michael Schmitz was a little stronger than than maybe I thought. Um, Oluwatimi was more athletic. Um, his ability to recover and stay in blocks was was better than I thought. He's got really strong hands. Um, and that, that, that gives him the, the ability to stay in a block when, when he's beat, um, again, really high end smarts. We're talking about a guy that went to the air force Academy, then to the university of Virginia, then to the university of Michigan. So, um, you know, he's got a, a really good pedigree, really smart player, tough. I mean, won all the awards after the season, the outland and, and all those, you know, the Remington, all those awards. Um, and sometimes those those don't mean a lot. Um, but in his case, man, I mean, you talk to the you talk to the staff at Michigan. Um, they love this guy. He was kind of the glue to the offense in his first year with the Wolverines. And uh, the more these NFL teams talk to the guys at Sharon Moore, the offensive line coach at, at Michigan, and, and people like that, um, man, you really you really get bought in. And uh, what makes him a little different at center is he's really strong. Um, there's a lot of teams playing with undersized centers in the league that you know give a little ground in pass protection and get bounced around a little bit. Um, this guy is a really big, sturdy, stable guy. So, um, again, a guy that doesn't have a lot of holes and, and is, is going to be a day one starter for whoever takes it. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about a different position. Let's talk about cornerback. And I just want to start with uh, I want to ask you if you've studied Emmanuel Forbes. I have. Yeah, we spent some time on Emmanuel uh, the other day. I'm just curious. You know, what you think of Forbes, I'm increasingly seeing him connected to the Giants. It took me a long time to come around on Forbes because he's 166 pounds. But when I look at the kid, that's the only thing I can knock is that he's 166 pounds. So I'm curious if if you see a guy that's a first-round pick. And uh, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't. I think that uh, you know when you get around to, to this time of year to watching players – um, you got the answers to the test a little bit, right? So like immediately when we sat down to watch him, I told our, our young scouting assistants, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity to really zero in on that 166 number. And I just felt like it, it showed up way too much on college tape to feel good about it, you know, transition into the pros, uh, bigger, stronger guys. And yes, can he get, can he add weight and, and add some bulk and strength? Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm not killing the players. The, the ball production is great. Um, I just thought, and, and he's tough. Like it's not a toughness thing in run support. Um, I just think when, when he's in contact phases of the game, you see the lightness, um, you see this guy getting, getting bounced around a little bit. So that would, that would hold me back. It really would. Um, 
you know, but you like the ball production, you like the length. Um, again, you like the temperament, but, uh, you know, some of the interceptions I thought were, were some really bad throws, um, that he was just in position to make. I didn't see him breaking on the ball and making, making a lot of plays. Uh, I felt like he was, was had some Johnny on the spot stuff with, with the interception, uh, production, but, uh, you know, I think he's a nice player, but I, I don't think he's first round draft pick. I know, uh, tell me about some of the guys that were at the senior bowl, some of the corners who you really like, you know, maybe guys that are underappreciated, you know, heading into the draft or, uh, or even, you know, guys you think could go surprisingly early. Yeah, they, I think it probably start there with Julius Brents from Kansas State. You know, he was a guy that uh, probably started this process when we when we made our calls around the league back in November. Julius was probably a fourth round guy for most teams. You know, kind of fringe top hundred ish, and and now God, I, it'll be I'll be really curious to see where he ends up. Like to me, he could be one of those surprise first round picks, and and I say that I mean he's got rare stuff to work with. We're talking about a guy that's. Six foot three. He's got the longest wingspan of any corner on record since we started doing wingspans. You know, he broad jumped 11'6". He vertical jumped 42 inches. Um, his three cone was like 6'7 or 6'8". Um, so for a long levered guy, he's got ridiculous change of direction skills. Uh, he ran 4'5'3", 4'5'1 at the combine, which is plenty fast enough where the guy with that kind of range, I mean, it's hard to throw around those guys. I mean, I was around Richard Sherman for a lot of years in Seattle and I saw it firsthand. Um, and Julius is a better mover. Um, he's better getting in and out, getting in and out of breaks than, than even Richard was. Now Richard was, you know, had rare instincts and ball skills, but, uh, but no, I think Julius has, has been a really fast riser. Like I said, I'll be interested to see how he goes. I think Darius Rush is also in that conversation from South Carolina. I actually think he's a better prospect than Cam Smith, the other corner at South Carolina, who the draft community was on as a first round pick, you know, early on. I think there was an assumption. Sometimes there's an assumption when these juniors come out, they're automatically like the top guys in the draft. Um, and then you dig in the tape and I'm like, man, where, where is this stuff coming from? I don't, I don't get it. Um, Darius is a converted wide receiver. So he's still relatively young at the position. Another really long guy fast was the fastest guy at this year's senior bowl um, with our zebra technology, you know, tracking data stuff. And then he goes to the combine runs four, three, six. Um, so just a ton to like high, high character guy. Um, so again, those are a couple names. Tyreek Stevenson from Miami is a guy that talking to teams, there's a lot more love for Tyreek around the league than, than maybe, you know, in the, in the draft Knicks space. Um, uh, he's a guy that showed up better in mobile than I thought, you know, he had some focus lapses on tape at, at Miami, you know, kind of, kind of focus was in and out. So he'd give up some plays. So there's some inconsistency there. I thought he came to mobile was really dialed in. I think, I think that got brought to his attention that he really needed to come down here and, and be dialed in for the whole week. And he was, so, um, you know, it's funny, you know, teams always ask me, oh, do you, you know, you invite all these big corners to the senior bowl. Is that your Seahawk background? I'm like, well, I think every team in the league is looking for big corners. Like, I don't think the Seahawks are, are unique in that. They're just, they're just hard to find. So, um, you know, those are some names. I think Riley Moss a little, a little later on, um, from Iowa is another guy, really fluid, fast, um, accomplished experience, uh, six foot corner. So, um, it's a good class. There's some, there's some real depth to this cornerback class. It's a, it's a better class than, than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be, uh, when we started this process, these guys are tested better. Um, a bunch of them showed up here in mobile better. So. All right. Hey, let's take a, a short break here for a word from our sponsors at SB nation. When we come back, I want to get through uh, a couple of other positions and maybe talk a little bit about, uh, about Joe Shane and his draft philosophy. So 
Let's take a quick break. All right, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and we're talking with Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy. Jim, let's, uh, before the break, you had mentioned, we talked about wide receiver, and you had mentioned the idea that, that the value might be better. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On day two for a team like the Giants, the Giants made some moves already at wide receiver. I mean, the Darren Waller move is not a wide receiver move, but it's a it, it's a tight end move. But it's really a, a move for a big wide receiver one. It's a um, pass catcher move. Yeah, it's a it's a pass catcher move, no doubt. And you know, Paris Campbell and bringing back Darius Slayton, so they've done some things. Um, I want to ask you about you know some of you some of your guys that you think are real value in day two, maybe even early day three. I, I have a feeling I know a couple of the guys you're going to mention, but but I'm really curious to, to see, you know, what, what guys you really kind of would pound the table for maybe on day two. Yeah, there, there's there's a there's a handful of guys that I, I think have elevated. I think uh, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss is a guy that, that uh, justifiably is, is, has really captured the wide receiver coaching community. Talking to those guys and being out at pro days around some of these wide receiver coaches, like Mingo's the guy that now that they got into the process and you know the scouting departments have all pulled the coaches into it. I think that's that's a guy they like because he's again we're talking about a lot of these guys right now in, in mock first round drafts that are little guys that are 5'8", 5'9", 175, 170 pounds. You know John Mingo is six two, two hundred twenty pounds. He's he's forty fifty pounds heavier. He's four or five inches taller, and he's uh, he's got really he's a really bouncy athlete. Um, can make great catches, can make plays at all three levels of the field. So I think he's a guy. Um, if we are going in like the little guy space, I would go Tank Dell from Houston. Um, I just think he's more dynamic than a lot of these guys being talked about. Um, you know, more in the in the media space. I think Tank is the best separator um, in this year's draft. I think that's pretty easy to see when you put on the tape. He's truly dynamic. He's got legit punt return value. I think Jaden Reed from Michigan State is a guy that 
that uh, maybe the media is sleeping on compared to where the league's at with him. Um, he's very similar to, to Zay Flowers, who's kind of become like the media darling in this year's draft draft cycle. Um, quick and fast, has burst, playmaking ability. Uh, another guy that can return, legit punt returner. Um, you know, didn't they didn't throw the ball well at Michigan State this year, right? So um, he was affected by it. But he's a guy that was a really hard cover in Mobile. I think that's, you know, we've had a day two grade on Jaden for the past two years. Um, and I think, you know, the, the league coming down here and seeing him against some of these good corners um, had a really, really good week. So I think that's a guy they're kind of zeroed in on. And, and uh, you go all the way through it, like Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State's a, a really nice possession receiver. And, and we could kind of worry, you know, Rashi Rice from, from uh, SMU. So there's, there's a good group. There's a good group. Like I said, I think the value is going to be in that, you know, anywhere from like that early to mid-second to like really the, the middle of the fourth, you're going to see a lot of good players go off. I'm curious, you know, the Giants are in a weird spot with Saquon because, you know, he's on the franchise tag. They seem to disagree on value for Saquon. Um, so there's there's a question right now about, you know, Saquon's long-term future with the Giants. Um, I'm just curious, you know, so let's talk running back a little bit, you know, and guys you think, it's kind of a twofold question. If the Giants were to draft a running back, A, you know, would you read anything into how early they do that? And B, you know, who might be, you know, some of the mid-round guys that that you really like? Well, it doesn't look like an immediate need with Saquon on the roster, but I, I think the point you're bringing up, I mean, beyond this year, you know, so it could be more of a need than, than it, it maybe looks like it is. You know, I, we don't know what, what Joe Shane and Brian Dable are thinking about, you know, the future with Saquon. I'm, I'm sure they'd like to keep him on the team. Uh, he's a dang good player. You don't get rid of good players. So, um, but it comes at a cost, right? And that, that, that's kind of where we're at with the running back position. You can get so many of these good players late. There's just too many examples of it. There's too many examples of, of day three running backs, you know, becoming really good players. Um, I, I, we had one in Seattle during my time with Chris Carson. We took Chris Carson in the seventh round, and the guy, the guy was a stud. Um, you know, for three, four, five years, we got incredible value out of Chris. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it could be more of an immediate need than, than people think. And, and uh, this is a good class. There's, there's some real depth to this class. I think Bijan is clearly the – Robinson, the running back from Texas, is clearly the top guy. You know, we watched him in the office a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, he's, he's in that conversation as, as most talented player in this year's draft. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes with where the league's at with running back right now. But they're going to have a bunch of good options, and, and they're not going to have to address it. Um, you know, I don't know where all their picks lie, but but they wouldn't have to address it to the – you know, late third, you know, fourth, fifth round area, and then get a guy that can come in there and be productive. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting to me how how they do that, and and I'm just curious. You know, I'm I'm really curious how the whole Saquon thing plays out for the Giants. I want to ask you about Joe Shane a little bit. You know, Joe's only run one draft for the Giants, and I get a lot of fans who say, well. Outside of you know his first two picks, Thibodeau and, and Evan Neal, <clears throat> every other pick or most of his other picks were—I don't want to use the word outliers—but they kind of went against the consensus of picks. And you know, Wandale Robinson was picked earlier than some people thought he should have been picked. Cordale Flott uh, is another one that went earlier than 
then he might have been graded by a lot of people. And, and and I'm I'm just curious: should we read anything into that? Does that sort of consensus big board thinking not matter? Um, I'm trying to I'm kind of trying to peg what we might expect from Joe here in in his second draft. Yeah, I, I mean, again, as a former NFL guy, it's like, what are we comparing that to? Right. Like who's consensus. Right. Um, These teams have so much more information at their disposal than anyone on the outside does, including us, uh, when it comes to like personal background, football character, medical information. I mean, what it says is that they trust what they what they see. Um, I'll say this. Joe's going to roll up his sleeves, even in the general manager chair. That guy's going to approach his job like a scout. I mean, Joe and I got into the league at the same time. I've known him a long, long time. He's been one of the best scouts in the NFL for a long time. It's because he he works at it. Um, he grinds at his job. He he takes pride in in, in finding good players throughout the draft. Um, and if and any and, and you get conviction on players by putting in the work, um, you know. And so when you know if you have conviction on a Cordell Flot, like he's he has that because he put in the work on the guy himself. So in his staff, I mean, he's gonna. Joe's going to surround himself with, with guys that want to work at it because, I mean, I think mo- most guys, when they get in that GM chair, they want to surround themselves with people that, that, can, that can make them successful and are kind of built the same way they are. And, and, and Joe's, Joe's a worker, man. That's who he is. So he's not going to – so what I'm, what I'm getting at is that scouting staff are, is going to work at it and they're, they're going to come to a place where they find guys that, that fit who the Giants want to be and who Brian Dayball wants to be. Um, you know, Joe's putting the team together for, for Brian to coach. So, um, and Dave's works at it too. I've been at two different teams with Brian. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a position coach, he was one of the best evaluators I was ever around. Um, you know, when we were in New England together, he coached wideouts and I cross-check wideouts. So we had a lot of interaction through drafts. Um, same thing in Kansas city when, when he was our offensive coordinator. Um, and I was the, the over the top national scout, we, we talked to players and, Brian's a good evaluator. He, he enjoys that part of the process. So um, they're going to take guys that they feel like are New York Giants. And you can't like you can't take who they pick and stack it against like who the who the media big boards have and, and think that's a successful or unsuccessful draft. I think you need to let these classes play out. And, and year one's way too quick to be making any snap judgments on what the Giants did last year. No, I agree. And I think the one thing that Joe said last year when when people were kind of curious about why he drafted Wandale Robinson. He basically simply said, you know, we looked at the player. We have a plan for exactly how we'd like to use him. We know how he fits with what we want to do. And, you know, fans, I think fans just read the scouting reports and the big boards. So I think it's, uh, you know, there's a big disconnect there in terms of what fans expect and, and what teams may actually do. Right. Absolutely. All right. Um, I'm just curious. I think, uh, let me ask you this. You, on social media, you you mentioned um, Max Duggan of TCU, and, and you mentioned the Giants, you know, meeting with uh, meeting with, with the TCU head coach and, and looking at Duggan. Do you, if you look at day three quarterbacks for the Giants, does he make sense? Do you have anybody else that makes sense, you know, for the Giants? You could really use a, a developmental guy. I mean, they've got Daniel Jones, obviously. They've got Tyrod Taylor for another year, but but they could use a young guy to develop 
as their number two. So does Duggan really make sense to you? And, and is there anybody else? Yeah, he does. Um, you know, Daniel's obviously the guy uh, for the long term, and he should be. Um, I, I thought it was really impressive how he played last year. Didn't surprise me that he finally got with a, with a head coach uh, like Brian Dable that got the best out of him. So you're looking at you're looking for a cheaper, cheaper long term backup. You know, Tyrod's been a good player in the league a long time, but now he's carrying a certain price tag. So uh, you're looking at you're looking to cut some costs there. Um, you don't need a guy that's going to push Daniel Jones. You've got your starter. Um, so yeah, I think I think Max makes sense. He made a really nice jump this year on tape. Uh, I think he's going to be in that fourth, fifth round area. Uh, good athlete. He, I think his his feel in the pocket is really good. I mean, when you break down NFL plays for a quarterback, like the the muddy pocket throws, the tight window throws. I mean, some of that stuff on Max is is really good. Um, you know, there's inconsistency in his play, but I mean, he elevated that program this year. I mean, we we can't lose sight of that. Um, he got TCU to the to the college football playoff, you know, champ, national championship game. Um, that's incredible. I mean, back back when I started scouting 20 some odd years ago, um, we used to put a lot of value on quarterbacks that really raised their program and made people better around them. You don't hear people talking about that much anymore. Um, but I think I think you should. I think that's a really telling sign of a quarterback. And and you go back to last year. I mean, he he lost his job. He was a three year starter. He lo- loses his job in fall camp. The starter gets hurt week one. He gets thrown back in there and then they go on this incredible run. So I think that speaks to, you know, Max's just his, his mental toughness and his ability to be resilient and, and the teammates belief in him, you know, they could have all hung their heads after that, that first game. If, if, if Max wasn't a guy that the team didn't believe in, they would have never rebounded and, and went on that, went on that magical season they had. So um, yeah, I think, I think he's in there. I think uh, Jay Kaner from Fresno state is a really cool backup option right now. Early on, I think he's got a chance to be a starter. He was the MVP of the senior ball game this year, a uh, real gamer. So um uh, you know, Clayton Toon from Houston's a guy with a bunch of tools that uh, would be a cool guy to develop. I mean, he's one of the best athletes to come out at the position in a long time, um, has some clutch ability. He's played 40-some career games. I think what you're looking at between like Toon, Jay Kaner, Max Duggan, um, Jaron Hall, BYU, uh, even DTR at UCLA. I mean, there's guys that have played a lot, a lot of football. Um, and there's a lot of teams that, that, you know, feel like they missed on Brock Purdy last year. Um, letting Brock slip all the way to the seventh round, and, and they're all self scouting themselves right now and figuring out, you know, why did we let that happen? Why didn't we? Why did we, did we take a shot on this guy? And, and you know, the physical tools weren't great, um, but the guy the guy could process. He played a ton of football. It wasn't too big for him in big situations. Um, we saw that stuff kind of manifest itself on the field this year for the 49ers. So yeah, all these guys that have played a lot at the college level, I think they're going to benefit on draft weekend. I, I think you're going to see a bunch of guys go that fourth, fifth round area. You know, we've kind of skipped all around and we've talked about different positions and we've talked about Joe a little bit. Really, uh, last thing for you, you know, we probably, there's a few positions we haven't really talked about, probably linebacker, you know, maybe, you know, middle round defensive line, maybe safeties. I'm just curious if there are some guys, you know, especially like, like senior bowl guys that regardless of position maybe that we haven't talked about that you look at and say you know a team's just going to get really good value from this guy you know maybe in the third round fourth round fifth round you know they're going to get they're going to get you know plus value for wherever they pick this guy yeah I mean defensively uh just trying to hit some of the positions you just said like you know, big interior defensive lineman like Zach Pickens from South Carolina, you're not hearing a whole lot about. Um, 
You know, I think Zach's a, a got stuff you can't coach. He's a big, long, girthy guy that's hard to move. He's got more twitch in his body than I think people give him credit for. He showed up in some of the pass rush stuff in Mobile um, better than expected. So I think I think Zach Pickens is a guy. Uh, you look at the linebacker class, you know, to me, a guy you're not hearing a lot about who was supposed to come to Mobile and got had a groin injury late in the in the season and couldn't come down. It's Henry Toto from Alabama. Um, is, is a probably a day three linebacker that, that a lot of teams like. I mean, he's, he's, he's interviewed off the charts. He's, he's got maybe the best brain in college football on the defensive side of the ball. He's a, a really high-end communicator. Ran faster than people thought. I mean, we kind of thought he was going to be a 4-7 guy. He ran 4-6-1 at the Combine, so he's a, a full tenth faster than, than what teams thought, so he can run. Really productive player. And then you go to safety, you got, you got you know, day three guys like, like Chris Smith from Georgia, um, is a guy that, you know, Jamie Robinson from Florida State, guys that maybe didn't test great, um, you, but you cut on the tape and they're just dang good football players. They're both going to be starters in the league. Uh, you can get, if you can get a starter in the fourth round, um, you always go ahead and do it, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting really good value there. So, so guys like that, um, you know, like Jamie and, and Chris, I think those guys played at, at really high levels. They're both instinctive. They both love football. Um, they both put themselves in a position to make a lot of plays. Um, so there's, there's this, I, I like the depth of this year's draft in a lot of, in a lot of positions. I think you're, 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 you're going to be able to get starter level players in the fourth or fifth round if you do it right. Yeah. It's interesting because everybody focuses on the first round, a little bit on the second round, but, but so often the, the guys that wind up really making a difference and really contributing and you, you've just got to hit on those fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. Sometimes you've, you've got to. I don't want to say get lucky, but you've got to get more than you expect if you want to be in a, be a top tier team. Yeah, you got to be good there. Yeah, and it's not it shouldn't be luck. I don't I don't believe in in too much luck when it comes to the draft. I mean, there's there's too much information out there to to have to rely on luck to be good at it. But but yeah, you got to hit. That's the meat of your roster. Um, you know, that's gonna that's gonna make up you know the the, the majority of your starters. And and again, now projecting forward, like on the second contract. I mean, look at all the look at a. You know what you're what you're saving when you're getting mid round draft picks become starters. You're not having to spend in free agency. So um, yeah, that's 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 the name of the game. I mean, you got to hit some blue chip players along the way, um, but you, but you got to draft well throughout the draft. It can't just be in the. It just can't be day one, day two. Absolutely, Jim. Thank you as always for uh, for spending some time with us. If you want to let people know, uh, you know where you are on social media in case they don't know, and and what you guys at the Senior Bowl have going on at at this point in the year, that uh, why don't you go ahead and do that? Yeah, I mean, I'm Senior Bowl Twitter is just at Senior Bowl, and then and then mine's uh, at Jim Nagy underscore SB. Uh, but we got a lot going on. We got a draft party. Um, Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane, is going to be kind of our guest of honor. We had we had four Mobile guys at it last year. Um, it was that played in the senior bowl is really fun. So Tajay's coming over from Louisiana. That's going to be a blast. We announced our hall of fame class today, our rookies of the year today. Um, no giants in that group, uh, a couple Eagles, a couple, uh, NFC East guys, but, uh, we, so we're working on our hall of fame induction ceremony in June and in the charity golf tournament that we do with that in June, that's a pretty heavy lift for us. And, uh, we're, we're more than anything, we're working on 2024. We've been working on next year's class, uh, for a couple months now. So we're, uh, we're deep into that as well, the evaluation part in 2024. Great. All right. Hey, thank you very, very much for the time. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.